0: Chapter 26 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, ABMD. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 26. Anterior Poliomyelitis, Infantile Paralysis. Definition. An acute infectious disease occurring both in epidemics and sporadically due to a filtrable and cultivable virus involving different parts of the nervous system often localizing especially in the anterior horns of the gray matter of the spinal cord poliomyelitis anterior but also localizing in the cerebrum in the medulla oblongata in the cerebellum and in the meninges to a variable extent in different cases since the epidemic of poliomyelitis in new york in 1916 the medical thought of the country has been markedly concentrated upon this disease etiology after many experiments it has been established that the juices of the nervous system of an infected animal when filtered through porcelain or some other filter are still able to infect monkeys hence the disease is due to a filtrable virus this virus is most concentrated in the nervous system of the patient but is also to be found in the mesenteric glands and in the tonsils and throat the virus stands cold well retaining its virulence when kept frozen for at least eleven days it is enfeebled by a temperature of 45 degrees Celsius and is killed after heating for half an hour at 55 degrees Celsius. It is not killed by drying. It can live for some time in sterile water or sterile milk, apparently without multiplication. Unquote. Barker, the transmission of the infection by the stable fly, insects fomites etc is still a debatable point the disease is present chiefly in midsummer and in the fall though cases occur at all seasons of the year the vast majority of those attacked are children from one to four years of age pathology formerly it was believed that destruction of the anterior horned cells of the spinal cord was the sole characteristic lesion of poliomyelitis Latterly, it has been found, however, that the lesions of a localized or generalized meningitis may be present, the process being situated in the cerebrum, cerebellum, or medulla oblongata, as the case may be. In many cases, the majority of those positively recognized, the anterior horn cells are the structures most damaged. They show signs of degeneration and as a result, the motor nerve fibers arising from these cells degenerate, with resultant paralysis of the muscles supplied. Some of the motor cells in the anterior horns of the cord are wholly destroyed. Others recover partially. Still others recover completely. This accounts for the gradual recovery from the paralysis. For, as function is regained on the part of the motor cells, regeneration of the nerve fibers takes place, and impulses that cause the muscle to contract are again transmitted symptoms. The incubation period is usually about a week. In the typical case, the child is taken suddenly ill with symptoms in no wise characteristic. They are often thought to be due to tonsillitis or influenza. There is usually vomiting, sometimes diarrhea, moderate fever ranging from 101 to 103 degrees, with the usual symptoms that accompany a febrile disturbance. There may be pain in the limbs, rigidity of the neck, and symptoms suggestive of meningitis, QV. The characteristic feature of the typical case is paralysis, which appears within a week of the onset. In infants and very young children, this paralysis may not be noticed for several days, though obviously present when sought. In older children, paralysis is, of course, noticed as soon as it appears. At first, the paralysis may seem to affect one or more limbs in their entirety, but it soon manifests its rather characteristic distribution the muscles are usually affected in groups corresponding to the particular segment of the spinal cord in which the anterior horn cells have been most damaged and are rarely affected singly thus the perineal muscles on the outer side of the leg may be involved the extensor muscles of the front of the thigh the deltoid group covering the shoulder, some of the muscles of the forearm, etc. Usually more than one group is involved at first. The paralysis is what is termed flaccid, i.e. the paralyzed limb lying quite loosely. There is no disturbance of sensation, though at times the limb may be cool to the touch and slightly edematous. The actual febrile period lasts usually from a few days to two weeks. In bad cases, the patient may be overwhelmed with toxemia and die in a few days, or else death may ensue as a result of paralysis of the muscles of respiration. After the acute febrile period has passed, the stage of repair begins, which may last as long as two years. It is important to remember that paralysis is always most extensive at first, that practically every case shows marked improvement over the condition as it existed at first, and that complete recovery occurs in about 20% of the cases. In the course of epidemics, many atypical cases are seen, some showing damage to the various cranial nerves as shown by facial and ocular paralysis of varying degrees of severity, others giving symptoms of a multiple neuritis, pain along the course of certain nerves, sensitiveness to touch and paralysis, still others showing symptoms almost characteristic of meningitis, QV. In the course of epidemics, stress must be laid upon the abortive forms of poliomyelitis, where no paralysis occurs although the general symptoms of illness may be present, i.e. fever, together with symptoms suggesting a respiratory, meningeal, or general influenzal infection. Every transition stage is noticed between these non-paralytic forms and those showing most extensive loss of function. It is now believed that in large epidemics of poliomyelitis, From one-third to one-half of all the infections are abortive forms. Prognosis The death rate varies between 10 and 40 percent, according to statistics of various epidemics. Death usually occurs on the fourth or fifth day, and the mortality is greater in adults than in children. Prophylaxis at present prophylaxis does not seem to be of much service the modes of transmission of the virus of the disease are insufficiently known and in epidemics the great number of undiagnosed and abortive cases as well as the numbers of healthy adults acting as carriers make any attempt at satisfactory isolation and quarantine practically impossible the patient should of course be isolated and other children in the family kept away from school for at least eight weeks all discharges from the nose throat bladder and rectum should when possible be destroyed by burning those individuals not affected should have the nose and mouth sprayed with some mildly antiseptic solution in times of epidemics schools should be closed children's parties not held, and all children should be watched carefully to see that they never use any article belonging to any other child. Disinfection of the sick room is imperative, and, if possible, fumigation of the entire premises after a case of poliomyelitis is desirable. Treatment During the acute stage of the disease, the management is that of any febrile affection bed liquid diet attention to the bowels and kidneys cold or heat applied to painful areas and sedatives when indicated the management of the stage of repair in poliomyelitis is a very complicated matter and cannot be taken up in detail much depends upon the competence of the nurse and upon the zeal with which she executes the physician's orders as to the different measures to be carried out these orders should be given in great detail preferably in writing as should they be misunderstood and wrongly carried out irremediable harm may result the general management of the stage of repair in poliomyelitis consists in the prolonged and judicious application of the following therapeutic agencies. 1. Electricity. 2. Massage. 3. Local heat. 4. Exercise. 5. Orthopedic apparatus, braces. 6. Surgical operations planned to help the damaged muscles in the resumption of their proper function. End of Chapter 26.